0: The Java Council podcast is sponsored by Zero Turnaround, creators of revolutionary tools JRebel and XRebel. For free trials, visit zeroturnaround.com. Okay, hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the Java Council. And uh, this is actually the episode straight after Java 1. So we're going to be talking about some of the announcements um, at Java 1 uh, or just before Java 1, maybe even chat a little bit about how Java 1 was. Um, joining us today on the Java Council, we have uh, we have Trish G, a developer advocate at JetBrains. Hey, Trish.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: All good, thank you. We have Martin Verberg, CEO at Jay Clarity, and the diabolical developer. Hey, Martin. Hey, how's it going? And we have Manny Sarkar, the developer of fun things called software. So, hey, Manny. Hey, how's it going? All good, all good. So uh, let's let's get jump straight into it. And uh, so, what were some of the uh, what were some of the topics really or, or announcements around Java One? Who wants to kick off?
2: Oh well, there were so many. I'll kick off. Uh, the first super interesting one is the six month release cadence of Java, starting with Java nine, effectively. Um, So I think a lot of people have heard about this news that Java will be released every six months uh, with Oracle intending to make every, um, you're not 100% sure yet, but I think every third one or every sixth one. So either every one and a half years or every three years, they'll they'll make it a long-term release. The long-term release will be supported for I think about five years. And that means any sort of security updates will be, uh, you'll you'll make sure you get those in, in the Oracle JDK. Um, however, if you do want to be on the bleeding edge, you can have a brand new Java every six months and uh, Whatever features are deemed to be ready will will be released uh, Into the Java at that time and if the feature is not ready, then it will just simply be bumped to the next next six months cycle Ooh,
0: That's interesting we have, we have talked about it, actually, the Java council before because one of the interesting things is that Java 9 isn't a long-term support release right the first The first long-term support relief that they plan is, I think, 18.9, which is going to be next September, so September 2018.
2: That's right, yes. We had a massive debate about that at Jack's London recently, so I was on a panel with Stephen Colburn and some others, and and we'd actually kind of come to that realization on the panel itself and was like, oh yeah, because a lot of enterprises probably think Java 9, given it's a major release number, they're probably just automatically assuming it will be supported in the long term, but that's far from the truth. So if you are listening to this podcast and you are thinking of moving your organization to Java 9, please, please, please do be aware that it is not a long-term release and that if you're expected to you know, follow on with security updates, et cetera, you will be forced to move to 18.3 and forced to move to 18.9 to get those updates um, unless you patch yourself. So it's a key, key message that needs to get out. Yeah. I actually
1: don't think that's a bad thing because I, I think a lot of people are very wary about moving to Java 9 anyway. They're going to give it good six, Twelve months to see what the impact is of Java nine. How many things are going to break? Plus, wait for libraries to update to the module system, etc. So it's going to be a good twelve months, I think, before at least before enterprises really consider using it. And by that time, they probably will just skip straight to eighteen point nine because they'll probably that well for a start they'll get local variable type. Local variable type inference, which is cool, and they'll probably get a bunch of other nice little features, not just the module system. So, it's not necessarily a bad thing.
0: And I think no, it's back really back here, and, um, to be aware of
2: it.
1: Local yeah.
0: types, local types, local type inference. I think is actually marked down for eighteen point three.
1: That's what right? they say. Yep. Yeah.
0: So that's something to look forward to as well for those who are looking forward to it, and it's something to grimace to if you don't like that as well.
1: I, I think yeah. it's quite cool. I mean, I'm not. I was always quite traditional Java and I'm like I don't really care about replacing it with uh, you know VAR who cares but then after a tiny stint working with Groovy I'm like why do we have to type all this stuff all the time <laughs>
0: mm. awesome so, so yeah I mean I think uh, that, that was one of those that was one of the big announcements wasn't it really Java 9 not being an L- Ooh, six month release cadence in Java 9 not being an LTS release so if you wanted uh, if you wanted to jump up to Java 9 you will not be supported beyond March 2018 the next one of the other big things uh, which was announced, was the new name for Java EE since that was moved to the Eclipse Foundation. Um, EE for J. Now, I know naming's hard, and I know yeah. we really get too hung up on the name, but for the sake of this podcast, let's get hung up on the name. Who likes that name?
2: So I actually think it's a good name, and the reason is that this is just the Eclipse project name, right? So this is not going to be the branding name or the marketing name or what, what Java EE is going to be known to the world. This is purely just sort of like an internal... Eclipse name for the project and I think because it contains EE and it contains the J at the end I think for a lot of enterprise developers who don't pay attention to the social medias of the world um, it's a nice transition that they will know it as the extension of j 2 e or JEE I think
0: interesting so I didn't know I thought that was going to be the official name now so who's going to determine that the official name then
2: the community will. So we encourage everyone to go join the community mailing lists, and uh, those, those discussions are slowly starting already. And I'm sure it will be an epic discussion because there's already like 300 people on that mailing list. Isn't
0: that a bit confusing though, having two completely separate names?
1: Everything's always had a code name, though, right? I mean, releases of all sorts of software has a code name and then a real name.
0: That's true, but I mean, you know, in, in the past, you 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 just you know whether whether it's an implementation or a spec or whatever, you just call it J2E or Java EE, and then people, I think, are going to now think... I mean, everyone's saying EE4J is the new name for Java EE, and then we're going to get confused in six months when, when we have another one, now. Are there other so.
3: instances of uh, software that's named like that? Are there other instances of libraries or products that we use that are named in that fashion?
1: Yeah, you have code names all the time. Look at... Uh, was it Project Cooler? Was the was J Shell, right? Yeah, OK. You know, and all of the all of the major functionality that goes into OpenJDK has a code name first.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Everyone's going to call it J2E anyway, so it's all true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true. They changed it to Java EE ages ago, and no one calls it Java EE. They call it J2EE or JEE, or no one calls it the right thing anyhow.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so there's another little thing about that naming, which a lot of people don't realize, and that's to do with, with trademarks and how how and where the, the word Java or J can even be placed. So you're allowed to say something, something for Java, but you're not allowed to say something, something Java. And Java's not allowed to come first, right? So there's a whole bunch of trademark rules that, again, I, I know the day-to-day developer doesn't don't know about these rules, and that's why they, you know, get up in arms about the naming, but there's actually quite a restricted space that was was allowed for, for that particular name. Well, this seems
1: kind of ridiculous now. Now that Oracle is really, um, I, I think quite forward looking in terms of open sourcing a bunch of stuff like, uh, like Java EE and like potentially the JDK and so forth um, they're being kind of open about all their code but they have still got all these trademarks around the word <laughs> this is ridiculous
2: well uh, it, it might sound ridiculous but you have gotta remember you know open sourcing technology and, and rules around intellectual property licensing patents and trademarks are two completely separate things yeah um, of course and, but, you yeah, know, again, yeah
1: i'm going to put all my code out into the wild but you can't call it java
2: yeah no it's uh, yeah i appreciate it. it's frustrating but uh you know having now sat on the jcp for like five or six years i've i've, I've now gained an understanding if not i li- uh, but although i still have a dislike for it all, all the the nasty rules and legalities and, and things around that stuff um especially because there's so much prior art that's gone on
0: so people have been stuck in the past, obviously, DevOps. Actually, maybe not many people know that DevOx, uh, probably, I'd say, the biggest the biggest conference, certainly the biggest set of conferences outside of uh, Java 1, uh, used to be called Jarvopolis, right? Mm-hmm.
2: That's right, used to be called Jarvopolis. Yeah,
0: and, and then they were asked to change it. Yeah. We had the same at Zero Turnaround. Java. J Rebel used to be called Java Rebel. Yep.
2: Uh, well, even our Java user group, right, where you used to be called oh, yeah. our, the, the official company name for the, the LJC was the London Java community we had to change it to the London J- Jamoko community yeah. That's the official company name so d- despite that same year us earning a Jukes award for community involvement in java
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although some, some some conferences get away with it right there's Java zone Java land Java I think Java
1: zone because Java zone was set up by Sun I think and that's why they have an exception
0: oh and Java land probably have an exception as well cuz they're set up by the Doag which I think... Uh, it's an Oracle user group, is that what it yeah, is? it's some Oracle... Oracle are uh, involved in that group very, very heavily in some way, so... Mm-hmm. Ah, so maybe, maybe there are exceptions there. So
3: rule of the thumb, get your Oracle involved in everything you try to do, and then you can use the name Java or
0: the that's, word Java. That's one way, I guess, of just getting that cap, but uh, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, what about how does that affect the JCP then? Because obviously, with with uh, Java EE now not being well, being relinquished rights for the Java EE uh, code TCKs, everything being relinquished by Oracle, um, where does that leave the Oracle standards body, JCP?
2: So it will absolutely remain for Java SE uh, for now, and there seem to be there seem to be no no movement towards changing that for quite some time. It'll also technically still govern Java EME, although Java EME hasn't really moved uh, much forward from there. Um, but yeah, no, it is it is fair to say that all of the Java EE type of technologies will, will no longer be pushed through the JCP. Um, I think that's personally a very good thing. I think it's something we fought very hard for. Um, so again, for most people who don't understand the JCP, the JCP... It seems like it's an independent state of body, but technically Oracle actually owns it and Oracle actually does have some veto and other powers over it. And, and there are simply certain things that we try to do through the JCP which we can't push through because, because Oracle, or it's against Oracle's interests or Oracle's legal is tied up. Um, and again, it's not to say that Oracle's been a bad steward or has run the JCP badly. It's just that it's not truly an independent body and I think we would all like to see Java run by a truly independent body. And
0: that would be an independent standards body like Oasis or someone like that, maybe. Or
2: yeah, that's, that's one of the ideas that's been been floated. So again, this, all these discussions are starting happening over in the EE4J community in particular um, for those for that technology set. Uh, but Oasis has been floated as one. Uh, setting up our own one has been floated as one. Uh, Eclipse has said they do not want to be a standards body, so it would have to be separate from Eclipse. Whatever it is.
0: And do you think do you think that'll speed up? Um, the specification reviews and things like that, or, or do you see it having a similar kind of uh, time between creating a spec and actually realizing it in, in code?
2: I think it'll all move a lot faster because the specs will be developed more in collaboration anyhow um, because there was always, although people could go participate on Java EE specifications in the past, there was always this perceived barrier, even if there wasn't a real barrier there, right? But I think under, you know, Everything being in the Eclipse Foundation and it'll be on all the codes on GitHub and pull requests can come in, etc. I think a lot of the specs will actually be, you know, have the technical tick box checked by developers before it gets, you know, some sort of official review. So I think it'll just be faster at Eclipse. And I think whatever new process we come up with, uh, which we may model somewhat on how the JCP did things, because that did actually seem to work quite well in terms of IP flow and things. Um, but we can make a more lightweight version, right? It doesn't need to go through six stages, for example. That's a bit ridiculous.
3: So so how would this work? Um, there'll be a bunch of companies and there'll be members of this standard group and then they will pay for the costs because there's going to be paid employees, right? And all the costs that um, the standard body has.
2: Yeah, that's all TBA. Like, no, no, nobody knows yet. Um, if we go for an existing standards body, that cost go pretty much goes away, I guess. Um, but if we set up our own, then, yeah, we'll need to somehow fund it.
0: Mm. And when when do we think there'll be answers to these these kind of questions? Because I guess it's in it's in EE for J's interest to, to to get as much of this resolved as quick as possible, so they can concentrate on more interesting technical aspects. I guess
2: that's right. So the project charter is being voted on by the Eclipse Board of Directors on the twenty third of November. So that's only five days from now, and that will create what they call the high level project that Eclipse. So, so think of EE for J as a bit of an umbrella project at Eclipse, and then. I suspect various existing Java EE eight specifications will, will slot in as as individual projects under that. Um, so until that charter is signed, a PMC I think project management something can't be formed, and until that is formed, no you know no decisions can be made about any of this stuff. Right. So I'm hoping by the end of the year we will have a lot of the stuff sorted out, um, but uh, we, we will just have to see. It's it's a large, vibrant uh, community, so there's probably going to be a lot of a lot of discussion before we come to a conclusion
0: very interesting so uh yeah what what could people do then i guess i guess there's probably a mailing list or something like that that people can follow um to hear more about e4j or
2: that's you... right there's a there's a mailing list there's a project charter and there's now an faq as well so i will put those links in the show notes and uh that way people can fo- can follow along Awesome. But uh, I really encourage people to jump in now because now is a time where all the rules of how the stuff's going to work are going to be defined. And if you don't join, if you don't make your voice heard, then it will be determined by other people. That's as <laughs> simple as like that.
0: Yeah, good good, good point. This is, I guess, the call to action for the community right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so let's let's move on. There, there was a, actually a very interesting announcement. Maybe it's interesting, maybe it's not, depending on, uh, depending on if you like uh, serverless and things like that. There's a very interesting project called an open project from Oracle called uh FN. Uh the 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 FN project. Um anyone heard about this? Anyone looked into it yet? This is the new ser- this is the new serverless offering from Oracle.
1: I saw it on the keynote but I haven't looked at it yet.
0: What what's everyone's views on serverless in general, I guess?
1: Got, I hate the name.
3: It's, <laughs> it's I- got its place it could have been called functional something instead of called instead of being called serverless
1: i think serverless is a stupid name i think it implies there are no servers yeah and and there are somewhere it's just that you don't necessarily have to maintain them yourself
0: that's the biggest thing yes it's serverless from a user point of view i guess
1: yeah and seems i think serverless <laughs> serverless seems to me uh, to put off java developers almost more than anyone else because java is a, is often a back end service so I think a lot of Java developers just assume serverless is not for them. This is something that perhaps mobile developers use, um, and it's not applicable to to our industry. And it's not true.
2: I'm I'm totally a Chris on this one. I reckon the naming's terrible. Um, um, yeah, but I, I haven't I haven't been able to try Fn yet. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be something similar to AWS's Lambda, right? But um, if it is, and if it's got Java as a first class citizen, then I'll be pretty keen to check it out.
0: Mm. I mean,
2: at Jay Clarity, we certainly have some data processing machine learning work for example where we currently do that on our own servers uh, but it's all done in memory right so there's, there's no data storage aspect there's no external external things we need to communicate with so we could potentially replace that chunk uh, with, with something like FN or AWS Lambda and, and reduce you know our hosting and management costs so it, it does have for its use case I think it has a place.
3: And mm-hmm. I, I actually know of another project called FASS, which is kind of uh, it's trying to mimic what uh, AWS Lambda does, except it's open source and you can host your own uh, serverless uh, infrastructure, and um, it's 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 free in the sense you you know set your own box up. So that's an that's one. I'll, I'll share the link here in the show notes. That's something to oh, also is that,
2: if AAS has some function as a service.
3: Yeah. So um, that
2: name to me makes more sense.
3: Yeah, because and it, and it's using and the good thing is that people are building up uh, the system such that you can use different blocks, different uh, infrastructure blocks to build up your um, your functional as a service infrastructure. So you don't need to stick to Docker or or or, or Rancho OS or this or that you can just plug in what you want so it's not it's agnostic to what you're going to do what you want to use to build up that functional as a service infrastructure
2: hmm. okay
3: so well, if they're going to be building something in those lines it's going to be awesome because uh, otherwise you're quite tied to the infrastructure like for example if you use serverless on on AWS I'm not sure how Portable that is that you can move it somewhere else uh, and stuff like that.
0: And one one other announcement as well that happened at Java One was um, or during Java One was Microsoft uh, who released Azure Functions a while back. That uh, at Java One's uh, announced their support for Java um, as part of Azure Functions. So now you can use uh, that as an as an alternative to um, the FN project or uh, or AWS Landers.
2: Um, yeah, look, this is just going to be the massive cloud war, right? Every yeah, yeah, yeah. every, every one the, of the big cloud vendors are going to put out new feature X, and then JavaScript will be first, and the Python mm-hmm. and Eddies cool will get it, and then everyone will go, ooh, there's all those billions of dollars in enterprise Java that needs to, that we want to shift to cloud, we'd better put it up the decent Java API. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be an ongoing trend for at least a year, I think, if not two. Yeah. But it's good. It gives us choice.
0: Absolutely, I think that's probably those were the largely the major announcements. Obviously, apart from Java nine, which we talked about before, so we won't go into that again. But uh, other than Java nine being uh, released, I think those were some of the biggest uh, um,
2: yeah.
0: announcements. Uh, very so,
2: interesting. So, yeah. So, Trish and Mani, since you're you're the two who actually still you know vaguely write code day to day, we we your task is to try if in if in for Java if in Java. I'm going on
1: maternity leave on Friday. By the time I come back, Java 18.3 will be out, so I'm oh, not going to be doing that in the next four months.
2: Congratulations, Trish.
1: Thank you.
3: But i if I can fit that in my 36-hour uh day, then I'll try to fit that testing out a fin at the bottom of the list or in the middle of the list somewhere. Oh, man, at the bottom of mean, the list. That's how important
1: it? it is. Maybe this
2: is an exercise for well, our.
1: I'll tell you what. If someone invites me to do a keynote on it, oh, then yeah. um, then I'll have to learn it in order to give a keynote.
2: <laughs>
1: That's well, that, how it works, uh, right? When you when yeah. you're an evangelist, it's a uh, presentation driven development.
0: Yeah, yeah. conference driven yeah. development,
3: yeah. or, or presentation driven <laughs> learning. Because I think you learn quite a bit when you're when you're 20%. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Hey, um, I learned a lot about reactive programming last year because I had to give a presentation about it.
3: <laughs> so Simon, tell us about this. Um, this very small online conference that i've never heard of before that's taking place next week uh
0: VJUG 24 yeah yeah so you not know so anything about it i know a little bit about it. i've heard i've heard some people have told me about it yeah i uh,
3: see
0: so yeah we we're, we're doing it again last year in september we did we ran the first edition of vjug 24 which was a 24 hour um, conference, online-only conference. Well, I say online-only, actually. We, we do connect with a whole bunch of different Java user groups around the world. And if you go to vjug24.com now, you'll be able to see the um, the uh, schedule. And actually, from here, we have Martine presenting. Um, Martain is going to represent the London Java community at my house, I believe. Yes. Um, so we're going to have a big turnout there, of, of likely you and me.
1: I was going to say, like, is everyone coming to your house, Simon?
0: Well, it'll it'll really be just Martine, me, Liz, and the kids. So, wow, <laughs> yeah. um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing, and uh, yeah. So we have around two and a half thousand people uh, RSVP'd already, which is amazing um and yeah we have we we're, we're splitting up into three different regions so we start in apac in asia pacific um that's at 8am uk time uh, we have our keynote which venkat uh, Subramaniam will be giving and then we have seven technical sessions following then we have the emea uh, keynote uh, which will be around 4pm uk time and that keynote will be uh, given by um ibm and there will be uh, actually, a, a lot of discussion around uh, OpenJ9 and Open Liberty and things like that. All the great work that IBM are actually doing, and actually very exciting work. We should probably have uh, mentioned that earlier. We announced. Actually, we talked about that in the last in the last. Um, Podcast as well, uh, but yeah. the IBM are doing making some great strides as well, uh, and, and some very interesting announcements. So they'll be talking about some of that. We'll have seven further technical sessions, and then at midnight UK time, we start the Americas time zone, and we have Bruce eckle talking about uh, Kotlin for Java developers. Uh, Bruce Eckle also- yeah, Bruce Bruce Eckel, being the author of Thinking in Develop, uh, Thinking in Java, and he also he's also writing a book on Kotlin now. Um, so, uh, so that's going to be interesting. Then we have a further seven sessions, and then uh, at eight AM the next morning uh, on the twenty sixth is is a great time to sleep. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be busy. It's free to attend. Uh, just go to our meetup website and, and RSVP there. And we also have not we also uh, have a VJUG Slack group which we opened up yesterday. And uh, it's amazing how many people have said hello in the general chat, which, is, uh, which is, I, I can tolerate for now, um, but I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to, with almost a thousand people in that group already, I'm going to have to uh, make sure we, we put a cap on that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to use that just for general Java discussion as well as a discussion about our book club, about this podcast, about uh, live sessions, about VJug Twenty Four, and hopefully there'll be plenty more channels. Um, I think there's a there's a jobs channel that's already there, and so hopefully that'll keep uh, keep the spammers away from the general list and things like that. So um, yeah, we, it, it's it's moving on and we're, it's all very interesting. So if you want, I'll, I'll add the uh, I'll add the link about how to join that VJug Slack into the uh, into the show notes, and we can. Um...
2: Do we have a podcast channel actually?
3: Let me go have a look. So, oh yes, uh,
0: we do. We do have a podcast channel, yeah. So, what? Sabine, the, 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 are you
3: are you not presenting? Did they not accept your um, paper?
0: No, I, I actually didn't submit because um, I know I know there are so many amazing speakers. Uh, I, I'm not good enough for that. So. Oh um, <laughs> uh,
3: okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If there was a stage that I can dance and look like a fool on, I, I'm perfectly good for that kind of thing. But uh, I technical, technical presentations, I, I don't know, I'm lacking these days. I see. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm sure, uh, they on...
3: could have, I'm sure they could have something like that, like a dance dance council, just like you have a Java council. Maybe. Well, yeah.
0: we'll, we'll, we'll work on demand on that one, I think. Um, so uh, on the agenda, we have. Um, let's actually let's talk about this. Uh, got two things left on the agenda. First of all, I want to talk about this new uh, Jet uh, Three Ten. Um, this is one that uh, Martine, I believe, you know a fair bit about.
2: Uh, well, a little bit. It was announced by Mark Reinhold uh, yesterday or the day before on, on the uh, OpenJDK discuss list. So basically, uh, Java already does some class data sharing uh, at the moment. Um, but they're actually going to extend that to allow the application classes to also have shared uh, class data. Um, and what, what does this actually really mean? It means that for really large Java installations of in Java applications so if you're still doing your typical old-school Java EE let's load it onto a web logic server type of thing You're actually getting a massive saving so um, they talked here about some of the success metrics um, That uh, for one thing they trialled, they were able to save something along the lines of 340 meg of RAM uh, for a particular Java EE app server that was running a couple of apps and um, there's a, a jedit benchmark which was improved by 20, 30%, uh, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, so it's it's kind of good news for anyone who's using uh, traditional application servers or runtime environments where there are, you know, shared shared classes, let's say shared classes of Hibernate or Spring or any of those sort of common things, That a lot of that metadata can, can now be shared. Um, when it will be delivered, nobody knows yet. Um, so it sounds like it's already started in nine, and we'll, we'll probably see it finalised in sort of 18 point nine I imagine. But this this kind of drive to make Java smaller and faster e- everywhere is is clearly a, a direction that Oracle's pushing it in, which I think is is really cool for Java and cloud.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I've got the JEP open now. Actually, just looking at it, it's priority two. It's a candidate. Status candidate, but uh, normally there's a target, or, or at some point there'll there'll be a target, right, which will state which uh, which release it's um, targeted to. I think.
2: Yeah, that's right. But you know, given the new six months for release cadence, what what will now pretty much happen is they will put on a target, but I don't think anyone's going to stress if it misses misses by one. Basically, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. From um, the sound of it, basically, as soon as they actually come to a code freeze point. Or, or should I say, you know, when, the last point when they're accepting features, they'll look at the features that are actually ready, and then and then pull them in. I guess so. It's not much of a not much point in having a uh, target ready. It's it's I guess it's when it's ready, it's ready. I suppose.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the only thing I'm not hundred percent sure about that I'll need to dig into the details as they start building it out is whether this will only um, allow. Classes that are loaded via the module loading system as opposed to the class loading system. So that, that's something we'll just I'll just need to check as, as it goes forward. I'm, I'm hoping it's for both
3: I, w- um, I would think it'll be for all classes right because otherwise uh, It defeats the purpose of uh, Performance
2: and uh, efficiency. Yeah, it would make sense to me.
0: So now for something completely different um, Let's talk about Java on Java on Java too many Java's. Let's talk about Java on Java. Um, Manny, uh, what's been happening with the uh, project Metropolis?
3: So um, basically, um, Oracle the, looks like from this article that um, that they're walking away or as, at least trying to detach themselves from the hotspot code base of C and as an assembly and, and trying to emulate that using Java itself. So uh, I mean, arguably, um, we would say that C++ and assembly is fast, but given that there isn't built-in profiling in that in, in that ecosystem, and, and Java has been investing a lot, or Oracle has been investing a lot, or the Java uh, developers have been investing a lot on creating things that profile running code and then optimize it at runtime. That kind of gives um, uh, an ecosystem that Java builds or runs on an advantage over the other ones. Um, so I would think that uh, it's it's quite an ambitious project, some people say, uh, although they have uh, some proof. Like, for example, if you download a binary of Graal VM and then use the Graal compiler to compile some Java code and run that. I haven't checked, I haven't compared the uh, performance differences, but there are metrics and and also application programs snippets provided where they've compared the two and they found it faster than the the native typical Java applications that you run. So that looks quite that looks quite promising. And uh, it looks there, looks like they are investing a lot into uh, into this direction via the project Metropolis.
1: I always love it when we find that um, Java code is faster than so-called native code or C++ or whatever, because we still fight, after 20 years, we're still fighting this whole, oh, Java's slow and bloated, it's like, but it's not. It's quite frequently faster, especially um, because, as you say, because of optimizations, because of the way, uh, because of the way Java runs, um, you can write a well-performing Java application much easier than you can write a high-performing C++ application. You don't need as much knowledge you just have to write nice clean code
3: yeah I mean um in the end in the end it's it's trying to do even though c plus plus gives you the performance benefits because it's closer to the machine and there's less of that in you know in those layers uh it, it you you still have we've still have gained through other area through other techniques that you know that the advantage that c c plus plus had <laughs> is no longer as uh, as important.
1: But it's not just about performance, is it? I mean, one of the things I think is really exciting about the about Project Metropolis is I think it really it helps to really open up uh, Java to to real developers because you know the movement is to try and open source as much as possible, and I know that that the JDK, Open JDK as a as an open source platform is not. You know, it's not just something you download off GitHub and, and contribute to. But if you do get as far as trying to contribute to OpenJDK, I think the fact that it's not all Java is quite a big barrier to entry because, you know, you're talking about Java developers trying to program in, in languages that they're not familiar with. Yeah, so
3: totally.
1: The, it, for me, it's quite exciting to try and move Java to be more, you know, java <laughs> It sounds like something that I could po- probably get involved with now. Yep,
3: yeah, absolutely, yeah and and do away with the op- so you have two problems in that is one is to know cc++ C++, and the other is to understand the code that's written in cc++ C++. so we are doing away with both of that by having things written in java or a jvm language maybe hmm. we should
1: just write it all in kotlin
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you, you really your Kotlin's going to die now, sorry, Trish. Now now that Java's being released every six months, it's doomed. Don't oh, look you. at
1: me. I, I still haven't done any programming in Kotlin. <laughs> Don't oh. tell anyone. <laughs> no, no,
2: developer go. advocate for JetBrains is not yeah. done Kotlin Simon, development. Please erase, please
3: erase this bit of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, there goes Trish just admitted that you <laughs> haven't done any Kotlin programming. You still yeah. at your working time, Trish, uh, or are you on holiday?
1: No, I'm still working.
3: All right. So, all right. So but um, the thing is, it's
1: like there's like five hundred developers inside JetBrains who know how to write Kotlin, and there's only one mm. Java advocate inside JetBrains. If I start doing any Kotlin, there'll be no one else to talk about Java from from JetBrains.
0: Yeah, we'll, add a, well, add a to do for Trish: uh, learn, learn, Kotlin. learn Kotlin. learn, learn Kotlin. First, fn project, then
2: Kotlin. I mean, while, while while you're dealing with the new baby and a toddler, you can just you know sort of balance the laptop and, and do some Kotlin one-handed. Trish, you'll be fine.
1: No, it's fine. Isra's learning Kotlin, so uh, so I've got that covered. He can just he can just write the code for me. It's fine. Yeah,
3: Trish, okay. did you did you know there's this uh, ID? I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, IntelliJ. If you copy <laughs> a, a block of Java code and paste it in there, it just turns it into in the, Kotlin. <laughs> yeah. How did you know that? Oh God. I thought it was, it was like the best kept secret.
1: I tried that with Groovy code. Um, don't do it with Groovy code.
3: <laughs> All right. In ID, IntelliJ.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not IntelliJ's fault, it's just that um, what I didn't realize, because Groovy and Kotlin look fairly similar, but um, in terms of the actual sliding scale of sort of staticness versus dynamicness, they're actually on completely opposite ends of the scale with Java somewhere in the middle. So when you try and convert Groovy to Kotlin, it just goes, no, I, I don't think so. You're going to need to really tighten up this code before you can turn it into something vaguely Kotlin-ish. Yeah. So
0: until your until your bit of detail there, your description. I thought you were first announcing that you'd never written Kotlin and then bashing IntelliJ for its for its <laughs> to Kotlin conversion. I'm like, wow! What's happening to
1: me? Oh my goodness! I'm never coming back from maternity leave. I won't have a job to come back to.
3: <laughs> Is there a job position for a Kotlin advocate and and maybe other JVM language advocates at uh, JetBrains?
1: We have a Kotlin advocate. Hattie, oh, you do.
3: Oh, Hadi. Okay. All right, so it's it's all separating into separate JVM language advocates at JetBrains. I see. No, not really. JetBrains. We've
1: got we've got about three hundred .NET advocates. <laughs> we've got one dot .NET <laughs> Half of our advocacy team is is .NET expertise, um, because obviously we've got Rider and ReSharper. We've got a bunch of tools for .NET, so a lot of our team concentrates on .NET, and then we've got me doing Java and Haddy doing Kotlin. That's it. There you go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, we've well, got C actually, and we've got um, PHP and all the rest of it. But that, see, we don't see that, right? Because we, in the Java world, we don't use we don't use those languages. We don't we don't use those tools. So, because who like, wants to write PHP?
0: That's a very good point. I think we can all agree on that.
3: <laughs> you, you still have an IDE that supports PHP, or is yep. specifically made for PHP? Wow. So we'll finish Get on. It.
0: There are other IDE companies available and other JVM lounges available we'll and <laughs> that. Um, yeah. So thank you very much, everyone, for uh, for joining us for the Java Council. It's a pleasure to, 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 to be on for a half hour with you and rant and chat, um, and we'll see you next time. So massive thank you to Manny, massive thank you to Martine, and, of course, to Tricia as well. Uh, see you all soon. Yes, well,
2: Take thanks, care. Simon. Bye. Bye-bye.